Well, have you ever done something simply, simply because you thought you were alone, only to realize that you weren't? Like there's, there's a ton of caught on camera videos online, moments where people thought they were alone. They thought no one was watching, but unfortunately for them, that was not the case. There is videos of people picking their nose, picking their nose and eating it, uh, picking wedgies out of their backside. There's videos of kids sneaking cookies out of a cookie jar. There's like tons of videos of kids who for whatever reason, covered themselves, the entire room they were in, like carpet, furniture, pets, entertainment centers, covered in baby powder. I have no idea why. Here's a picture of one. I don't know who this family is, but uh, that's like, <laughs> what do you even do? I love, I lo the kid on the left, I love. He's like looking the other way, sucking his thumb, like I ain't got nothing to do with this right here. That would be me in that picture. It's worse when kids do this with paint. Check this one out. Yeah. Like blood pressure's rising, I can feel it in the room. Uh, I don't even know what you do when that happens other than go to jail or something. Like, I don't know what you do. <laughs> so in, in thinking about this, I was reminded of one of the funniest commercials, one of my favorite commercials of all time. It's from the 1990s. It's a commercial for pagers and pager service. If you don't know what a pager is, Google it. If you don't know what Google is, you for sure know what a pager is, so I won't explain it. <laughs> But in, in this commercial, uh, there is the, uh, shall we say, release of a normal bodily function, the kind of bodily function that if you were alone, you'd have no problem releasing it. You following me? Go ahead and check out this commercial. I can't believe it. It's my first blind date. Oh, I do it all the time. Really? You guys meet? Greg, Janice? We sure did. That was stupid. <laughs> Great. This is Smart, a beeper service for just $1.99 a month. From who else? Smart Beep. Call 1-800-BEEP-199 for other smart stuff, like directions. We've got chemistry here. You feel it? I felt it. All right, Janice. <laughs> oh, man. I felt it. That is so funny and inappropriate. Well, if you're new here, uh, my name's Jeff Manis, and after that video, you might be shocked to find out I am not the youth pastor, I am the lead pastor of Element Church, and for everyone who's here, even those of you joining us on video, man, thanks so much uh, for choosing to be with us. We're in week number two of a four-week sermon series called Even So, and we're talking about what do we do when life doesn't go our way? And here's the thing, commercials like that or caught on camera moments, they, they're, they're funny ways to show that there are some things we will do simply because we feel like we're alone. But this, this reality of feeling alone is a real thing, and it's not always so funny. In a recent study, they found that 46% of Americans reported that they feel alone sometimes or always in life. 46%. The younger a person gets, the higher the, the, the statistic of loneliness. So the youngest generation in America is the most lonely generation in America. That's what makes 
what we do in our e-kids ministry and fusion youth ministry. It's what makes that so important uh, that, that we can connect with these kids. And maybe for one hour a week, there is a connection that, that keeps them from feeling as if they are alone. I know our, our kids' ministry uh, for the next couple of weeks has a little setup out in the lobby, some, some boards you'll see on the wall out there, highlighting some volunteer areas that they need uh, help in. And I would highly, highly encourage you, if you're not plugged into our church through serving, there is not a better place or more valuable pay, place for you to serve than in our kids' ministry. Think about the potential that if you just give one hour a week uh, of your life and an adult connects with a child, it might keep that child from feeling like they are alone in life. Like if you serve in kids, if you serve in our youth ministry, thank you so much for what you do. It truly does matter what you're doing and you are making a lasting impact in the youngest generation in our church. And here's what's so dangerous to me about this. Whenever we feel alone, and all of us do at some point, it's very easy for us to believe things or even do things we would never do if we weren't alone. And many times those things are life-altering or even life-threatening things. So here's the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. Feeling alone might be normal, but acting as if you are doesn't have to be. We're all going to feel alone. That's normal for us to feel alone. But I don't have to live as if I'm alone. I don't have to act like I'm alone. So the logical question I think we have to ask and hopefully answer is this. What should I do when I feel alone? What should I do when I feel alone? There's a lot of places in the scripture we could go to to look at people who felt alone. If you brought your Bible with you, we're going to be in 1 Kings 19 today, so that's in the Old Testament. You can turn there. If you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Just ask for one at guest services on your way out. We'll get you a Bible. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, I would encourage you to do that next week, but you can definitely follow along on the screens as well. Now, you might be here, and you don't believe in God, or you don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, and while we will love you and welcome you here, whether you change your belief about that or not... As I've said the last couple of weeks, uh, one of the reasons I do believe the Bible is the word of God is the Bible does not hide these difficult parts about life. Doesn't sugarcoat life. Like the Bible is full, full of people who felt as if they were alone. Jesus himself felt that way. Jesus being fully God and fully man in his humanity felt alone. Not only at the end of his life did, did all those closest to him abandon him, but there's a prophecy in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, verse 3, speaking about the coming of this Messiah, who we know is Jesus. This is what it says about Jesus. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. So even Christ himself, knows what it feels like to, to feel like you are alone. He knows what that feels like. Well, in 1 Kings 19, we're going to see the story of the prophet Elijah facing this very same thing. 
Elijah was one of, if not the most respected prophet in all of Jewish history. And in this passage, he is literally coming off a mountaintop experience, okay? He's coming off a mountaintop experience. He's on top of Mount Carmel. Just before this, we don't have time to read 1 Kings 17 and 18. Read that on your own this week. It's an amazing story. But on Mount Carmel, not caramel, now everybody wants candy. You'll be distracted the rest of the time. On Mount Carmel, Elijah has a spiritual showdown, if you will, with hundreds of prophets of Baal and Asherah. They were pagan gods that most of the nation of Israel had turned to worship. They abandoned God and were worshiping Baal and Asherah, including the king, King Ahab, and the queen, Jezebel. On this mountain, God showed up for Elijah in a mighty, powerful way. Amazing story proving that he was indeed the one and only true God. Then Elijah prayed for rain. It had not rained one drop in three years. A drought that God sent ravaged the land. Elijah prayed to God to send rain. After three years, God sent rain. Like Elijah was doing everything right. He was probably thinking the very next thing God would do now is turn the hearts of Israel back to him. Turn the hearts of Ahab and Jezebel back to God. Surely the king and queen would now welcome him home as the honored prophet of God. But that is not what happened for Elijah. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might what? die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. That Elijah felt so alone, so discouraged, so depressed, that the thought of his life ending was better than the thought of his life continuing. Now, I am certainly no expert on suicide or suicidality, and I know that that suicide has touched many people in our church family, even some in the last couple of months, and so I'm going to be very, very careful here. From what I've learned, many, if not most of the time, it's not that, that people who take their life or try to take their life, it's not that they want to die. It's the fact that they can't bear the thought of living the way they are living any longer. That was Elijah. It's where he was. The most respected, perhaps, prophet of God in history. Said to God, I've had enough, God. I want to die. Take my life. I'm no better than those who are already dead. I mean, here he was, the prophet of God, so depressed, 
so discouraged, felt so alone, he wanted his life to be over. Elijah would end up in the story in a cave at Mount Sinai, the same mountain where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He was alone, tired, depressed, discouraged, ready for his life to be over. And in that moment, God speaks to Elijah. And I believe God wants to speak to us today, regardless of how you feel. Verses 9 and 10 says this, But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here? Elijah, which by the way, God did not need to ask that question because he didn't know. God asked the question because Elijah needed to answer. What are you doing here? Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. I'm all alone, God. And now they're trying to kill me too. Or in other words, I've done everything I was supposed to, God, and you aren't holding up your end of the bargain. Like I've been living my life pretty well for you, and if you haven't noticed, life's not going very well for me. Have you ever felt like you were doing everything right in life, but life was doing nothing right for you? That's Elijah. 11 through 13 says this, God replies, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. I mean, surely God's in the wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Surely that's him, right? But no, the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was fire. Now it's got to be God. No, but God was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Some versions say a still, small voice. When Elijah heard the whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, God in the whisper, what are you doing here? Elijah, notice, God did not use the wind or earthquake or fire to yell at Elijah for feeling the way he did. How dare you feel that way, Elijah? Don't you know who I am? I am God, the maker of heaven and earth. He did not use the, the wind and earthquake and fire to condemn Elijah for what he said. If you read that, Elijah's pretty much blaming God for everything going on in his life. And what did God do? He let Elijah speak his mind. And he'll let you speak yours too. God is big enough to handle our doubts, our fears, our hurts, and our questions. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts or your worries or your fears. If God was not big enough for that, he wouldn't be God. Now, God did send the, the wind and the fire and the earthquake, but he spoke in a whisper. And it was the whisper of God that drew Elijah out of the cave. You know what that tells me? That the whisper of God was a voice of care and concern, not condemnation. The whisper of God 
was a voice of hope and not hurt. The whisper of God is always a voice of love. So feeling alone is normal. But I don't have to act as if I'm alone. So what should I do when I feel alone? Now, please, understand, and I think we all do, we aren't going to solve the loneliness problem in one sermon, right? Like, there, there, there's nothing I can do. I, I can't give you a magic pill that will just take away depression forever and it never comes back. I can't offer you some unique word of wisdom that, that will keep someone from wanting to take their life. I wish I could do that as a pastor, but I can't. Like this, this subject is much more complex than three points in a sermon that all start with the same letter. Like I'm thrilled they all start with the same letter. I believe God moves better that way. <laughs> but that doesn't solve the problem. We get that, right? What I can do is point you to the whisper of God. And maybe offer some principles from scripture that, that could help us possibly just take one more step when we feel alone. So what should I do when I feel alone? Number one is this, listen for the whisper. Listen for the whisper. If we're honest, many times when we feel alone, when we are depressed or discouraged or wish that life was over, Sometimes when life doesn't go our way, we are actually hoping that God, we, we are looking for God to shake the mountains with a sign. We, we are looking for God to speak to us with the voice of an earthquake or fire or wind. But more often than not, like Elijah, when our life feels like it's whirling out of control, God wants to use a whisper to speak to our souls. Psalm 46 verse 10 says this, be still and know that I am God. Why do we need to be still? <laughs> I think it's so we'll hear him. And what, what are we to know when we are still? Well, it's not that God will change my feelings. God can do that and sometimes does. But according to that verse, that's not what we should know. Not that God can take away my loneliness. He can do that and sometimes does. But that's not what we should know. It's not that God can fix my problems. God, God can do that and sometimes does. But that's not what we should know. We are to be still so we hear the voice of God and so we know he is God, and he is still good. He's good. Psalm 42, 11 says this. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Wow. Wow. Sometimes, listen, this is important for those going through it and those who love someone who's going through it. Sometimes there is not an answer to why someone feels the way they do. Like circumstances might say everything should be great, but inside everything feels like crap. And King David even asked, 
Why am I discouraged? And he had no answer. Sometimes there is no answer to why. So the whisper of God won't always change the way I feel, but I do believe the whisper of God reminds us of how God feels about us. It's in the whisper that we hear God say, and I pray, <laughs> I pray someone hears my voice as God's voice to you today. In the whisper, we hear God say, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I believe in you. I'm fighting for you. I have not given up on you yet. I am holding you. In the whisper, we hear God say, I know how you feel. Because in Jesus, I lived it. I lived it. I don't know what you need to hear today. But I hope you hear the whisper of God. Feeling alone might be normal. But acting as if I am doesn't have to be. So what should I know? What should I do when I feel alone? Listen for the whisper. So God asked Elijah that second time, what are you doing here? He replies in verses 14 through 18. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. He didn't change his answer, by the way. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's all your fault, God. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus, which by the way, he was already in the wilderness and now God tells him, tells him to go to another wilderness. God, I'm already in the wilderness. Great advice, but why am I going to another one? When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Gold star for Pastor Jeff, getting all the names right. <laughs> Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu be killed by Elisha, yet. Or it can also be translated, even so, I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Or in other words, God was telling Elijah, you are not as alone as you think you are. There are other people in this fight with you. And I'm sending you into the wilderness, yes, so you'll hear the whisper of my voice, but also because I want to show you, Elijah, you are never alone. So the second thing i got to do when I feel alone is this. Number two, lean into the wilderness. And now you're telling me, Jeff, these points are not helpful. I'm already in the wilderness, and you're telling me to lean in. Ever feel like you're in the wilderness? Spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, I've been there, man. When we find ourselves in a wilderness, whatever kind it is, I wonder if we might need to lean into it. 
One of the best follows, I think, on Instagram is a guy named Dave Adamson. He goes by Aussie Dave. He's Australian, and he has got beautiful photography, but he does these daily devotionals every day where he usually takes something from the Old Testament or something from Judaism and then ties it into our Christian faith today as we follow Jesus. A while back, he had this post about uh, the Hebrew word for wilderness or desert used in Scripture. The Hebrew word comes from a root word that means to speak which is awesome. So then he said this in his post. The desert is where God speaks. When I look back on my own life, I know that the times God has spoken to me most, the times when God's been most present, has been during the harsh, difficult desert, or for us, wilderness situations when I wondered how I was going to get through. We try to just pray our way out of these desert times, but Pastor Levi Lusco says, don't try to get out of the desert, try to get as much out of the desert as you can. These hard, dry times in life are when God is preparing us for something significant. Isn't that awesome? Now, please, please hear me. In no way at all am I saying that if you are in a wilderness where you are feeling suicidal, that you shouldn't reach out for hope, for, for help. That's not what I'm saying. Like if you are here and you are, and they're real thoughts of, of ending your life, like please, please find someone to talk to. There are great organizations in town, like Grace for Two Brothers and other ones as well. There are, are national suicide hotlines. They're like, find me, find a pastor, find a, a staff member in our church. Tell someone what you are feeling. We would be honored to, to walk with you through this difficult season in your life. So I'm not saying you shouldn't reach out for help. I'm not saying that if you have depression or anxiety that you should never seek professional counseling or never be on medication. Like these things, anxiety, depression, suicidality, they are very, very real things. And at times we might find ourselves in a wilderness with one of those things. I want you to know it is okay to seek out counseling, it is okay even to be on medication. There is nothing wrong with that at all, okay? Nothing wrong. Now, can I be brutally honest for a second? I, I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be anyway, I'm just asking to be polite. It is an absolute lie to tell people that if you just had enough faith, your depression would go away. It is a lie to tell someone, if you were a good enough Christian, you would not have anxiety. It is a lie to tell someone that if you truly believed in God, you would never feel alone and never have thoughts of ending your life. Because if that is true, then there are some special people in my life whom I love deeply and deal with depression and anxiety, and they love Jesus with all their heart. And there are people like Elijah, heroes of the faith, that if that were true, we should remove them from the list because they felt the exact same way. So I'm not saying those things, okay? What I am saying, though, there are times in the wilderness that instead of running from it, we might need to lean into it. 
Because it might just be in the wilderness you are in that God wants to speak loudest through the whisper. And it might just be in the wilderness that you are in that God wants to reveal to you that you are never alone. That not only is he with you, always giving you power to endure, but in the wilderness, like Elijah, it's where God reveals there are thousands of other people who are fighting this fight with you and you are never alone. So I'm gonna do something a bit risky today, okay? I don't think I've ever done something like this before in my life. I'm asking everyone in the room to participate, okay? Everyone participate. Uh, I'm not singling anybody out. In fact, my goal is to illustrate that we're all in this together at the end, okay? Got several questions for you, and I want you to respond. So if you're here and you've ever gone through a season of depression, not like just discouragement, but depression, I want you to stand up and stay standing. If you are here and you have ever gone through a season or had bouts of anxiety, I want you to stand up and stay standing. If you're here and you've ever felt alone, I want you to stand up and stay standing. If you're here, I won't go to suicide, but you've ever woken up and thought, I don't know if I can actually face today, I want you to stand up and stay standing. If you're here and you've ever once in your life doubted God, I want you to stand up and stay standing. Church, look around. You are not alone. That in this house, church, we are not alone. That there are others who are with you in this. That there are others who feel the same way you do. And I would bet that if you talk to every single person in the room, we would say, I will walk with you as long as you need to get through this season. And I wish I could come to every one of you right now and embrace you and whisper the voice of God in your ear. I'm with you. I'm, I love you. I'm for you. And I will never forsake you. You are not alone. You can go ahead and be seated. Feeling alone might be normal. But acting as if I am doesn't have to be. So what do I do when I feel alone? I lean, I listen for the whisper. I lean into the wilderness. And the last one sounds harsh. Talked about it last week. You'll see it again coming up. We've got to learn to wait. Again, you're thinking, so not helpful, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> Learn to wait. In our main scripture, God told Elijah to go to the wilderness and anoint Haziel to be king of Aram and Jehu to be king of Israel. And here's what stood out to me. Do you know when Haziel and Jehu actually took the thrones of those countries they were in charge of? 30 years later long after God had taken Elijah to be with him. Meaning, Elijah never even got to see the full fruit of his faithfulness to God on this side of eternity. He just had to learn to wait. Psalm 27, 14, we used it last week as well, says this, wait patiently for the Lord. 
Be brave and courageous, yes. Wait patiently for the Lord. We often equate bravery and courage with action, right? Like, I've got to overcome this feeling. I've got to destroy this feeling. I've got to move past this feeling. But sometimes, church, the most courageous and brave thing you can do is simply wait on the Lord. To wait can be the most brave and courageous thing you can do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. The band's going to come out. They're going to close us in a song called Waiting. The message of this song is simple. I don't want you to sing along. I want you to receive this song today, to receive it. The message of the song is pretty simple, that we're all a wreck. We are a mess. And sometimes in our mess, we actually wonder, where is God? Where are you? Like, I don't know if I can keep going. And the climactic moment of the song, the climactic message of the song is that there, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. I don't know when for any of us, but there's a day when you realize in your mess, in your hurt, in your pain, yes, even in those moments where you have thought about ending your own life, you will find he was right there with you in the mess and waiting for you, just as you were waiting for him. So as the song is sung over you, my prayer is, God, God, would you speak to us today? Would you use the power of this song to to speak whispers to hearts today? Would you use the power of this song to help us lean into the wilderness and know we are not alone? And God, would you use the power of this song to muster up some courage and bravery by your Holy Spirit for us to wait patiently for you? Lord, would you minister right now in this moment to our lonely hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Baby
God, you are so amazing. Thank you that no matter what we're going through in our life, sometimes the loneliness and the anxiety, that we can be confident that you're walking beside us. Lord, we love you and we praise you because you deserve all praise. Thank you for your presence. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Hey, if you're here today and you are someone who's walking through those things, depression, suicidality, anxiety, please, please, please talk to us. You can find me, you can find one of our pastors, staff members. If you need prayer for anything, like anything, we have an amazing prayer team. They're all the way in the back of the room at the purple tent back there and they'll stay as long as needed to pray for you, to listen to you. We wanna walk with you. We are honored to walk with you through your most difficult times in life. If you are new, I uh, would love to see you in the living room before you go today, stop by there. 
And uh, next week, we're going to be talking about grief. How do we walk through those times of loss in life? Loss of a loved one or something that we love in life. I, I trust today was helpful. I believe next week will be as well. I love you guys so much. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.